because you're jumping back into the gap. All right, hey, go. coach. Welcome to the Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Oliver. I appreciate you joining us for this week's podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit basketballimmersion.com for more coaching resources and access to all the basketball podcasts. I hope you will give us a shout out on social media on Twitter at Bball Immersion or on Instagram at Basketball Immersion to help me continue to share the game. Enjoy the episode. Awesome to welcome Will Jones to the podcast. Coach Jones is the head coach at North Carolina A&T and previously served as their acting head coach during the 2019-20 season. Jones led the Aggies to a 14-5 record overall and 12-4 in the MEAC as the Aggies entered the MEAC tournament as the number two seed. For that effort, he was named MEAC Coach of the Year and also was named full-time head coach. Thanks for joining us, Coach. It's been good, man. I, I'm finally on the show, one of the best podcasts in the country. Well, tremendous to have you and uh, coach. I mean, I'm really looking forward to this topic too. We're going to talk about changing defenses and multiple defenses. Maybe just give us a little bit of a philosophy of where that came from for you. You know, uh, I think the biggest thing it's been, um, you know, the different coaches I've worked for, um, you know, going back to uh, Barkley Raider Ball, Charleston Southern and, Cliff Warren at Jacksonville um, and, and just, you know, kind of during that, you know, VCU had to, you know, have it going on with the press. And I think, you know, uh, for a couple of those coaches, just mixing defenses up, changing within a possession uh, was their kind of way of, uh, you know, disrupting the offense. And I really, really dove into that and um, and really just kind of took took my brand and kind of put my brand on it. It's been, it's been really good for us. Well, you mentioned the word disruption, and that's one of your primarily primary goals with this defense. So you can talk about some of the different ways that you disrupt an opponent with changing defenses. You know, um, the biggest thing is, you know, I, I try to look at the game as the players are on the floor. And um, once once I, you know, let my players go and the other players, you know, the coaches let their players go, um, they're the coaches on the floor. And so depending on how experienced the team is, um, you know, what type of point guard they have, I want to throw as many different confusing looks at that guard so that, you know, a lot of times you, you, you have teams that they're looking over at the coach. And if I see that on film, the, the point guard's looking over at the coach trying to figure out what's going on, I think that falls right into that category because I want to confuse the players on the floor. You only have a certain amount of time on the shot clock, and I want to do a heck of a job of making th th that offense think they see something and then change it uh, when, when, when they see something else. So it's been, it's been something that's really, I think, wears on the point guard and the team during the game. Love it. And uh, curious if your decision to change defenses is more scripted beforehand or done more by feel and reading the game. You know, um, it's done. Scouting is a big part of it. All right. You, you have to know what the team that offense wants to do, um, how they want to play, where they want to get their shots, how, you know, who's that 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 blue collar or that that glue guy that's going to pass or, or make that next play. You got to find out what they want to do when you do that during scouting. And um, a lot of times we'll figure, hey, man, listen, this is what they like to run against a, a zone two, three. When they go into this action on this cut, we're going to switch to a three, two, or we're going to switch to man. or we're going to, you know, deny this point guard back. And now 
they can't make that next pass. And so it's really done. The scouting piece of it has to be done to be successful in it. So are, are, are you primarily trying to switch within possessions to different defenses or switching from possession to possession or both? Man, we're doing both. So obviously a lot of people like to show different defenses. Um, they want to, you know, this possession, we're in two, three, misses and makes, you know, man, uh, one, three, one. But I want to switch within a possession also. You know, I want a team to see a one, three, one. And then on a certain pass, we switch to man. On a certain patch, we switch to two, three. Or I want to start off in the man and on a certain action, switch to zone. Um, it, it really confuses the, the, the players on the floor because I look at college basketball as just a bunch of patterns. I look at it as a bunch of patterns. These teams, our teams, go through routines on a day-to-day basis um, over a course of a season, and you get good at running these patterns. And so what I try to do is try to disrupt those patterns because teams don't want to do things that they they haven't been doing. You know, if you start looking at teams enough on synergy and different platforms, you will start to see the same shots being made at the same spots by the same players based on that offense. And so I want to try to make take those type of shots away and make a team do something that they're uncomfortable doing. Saying that then, how has this influenced your offensive philosophy? Because obviously you've talked about the problem of the pattern in terms of the offense. Has that changed how you view offense as well? You know, to be good at this, you know, I started off as a coach that really, really loved offense. And even as a player, I felt like I always had a feel for where you could get baskets at. And so knowing the offensive side of the basketball, knowing uh, rhythm, knowing uh, the patterns that are successful, that makes teams good, gives you an edge in terms of, what you're trying to do defensively. Um, you know, if I know the dribble drive offense in and out, then I should know how to disrupt it and, and what what those teams don't like to do, what they, what they don't like to see. And so it does definitely start on the offensive end. And we kind of do the same thing on offense. We play fast. Um, you know, we play fast on offense. And um, – on defense, you can see too. We, we try to play fast. We play try to play physical, and it's all about communication on defense. And so it kind of goes hand in hand with how we play uh, offensively. Well, and, and and playing this style of defense is going to put you, I assume, in uh, less structured offensive possessions. Yes. Have you found that as a whole? So offensively, what I want to do is I want to know what I'm doing within the speed that I'm doing it at. So we teach as coaches transition defense, transition defense. So, yes, it's tough to transition from uh, offense to defense. And so as I'm going fast, I'm trying to teach my players how to get into what we want to get into without slowing the ball down, which, again, causes confusion mentally for the defense. All right. And it gets them chasing right away. So I want teams to know once they shoot the ball, that they got to sprint back as hard as they can and try to figure out what we're doing. And uh, we do a lot of different things in, in transition that as we play fast, but it's kind of, we run in our patterns. It's just, we're doing it as kind of like a West coast offense, man. We're just playing really fast and getting those patterns and getting to those spots. And we don't do a ton, but all everybody knows what to do. For for games, then you talked about the importance of scout, which is is clearly important. 
for games, do you have a base defense for that game? Like almost like your default, like if we're trying all this other stuff, but we think this is going to be the most effective and we're going to play it the most for this game. So first and foremost, from a defensive standpoint, we're going to be really good defensively man-to-man. We're going to man-to-man. We're going to try to be as good as we can be in that man-to-man. Now, once we, you know, come out those first couple possessions, if I feel like, because there are really good coaches out there that can, you know, they can chop you up and make you, uh, make you, make your man-to-man defense really suffer based on this positionless basketball now, four men, you know, that are really guards and five men that can stretch the floor. So it's not traditional, man. You can't sit your bigs in the paint. And just, I mean, you can't do that anymore. And so the offenses have really gotten good. And so we're going to come out there in a man-to-man and try to make sure we get stopped. But if we feel like this team man-to-man is too good and, and their offense that they're running, they're running at a high level, then we're going to have that plan B that's going to, you know, go into our change of defenses part of it. You know, whether we feel like, we need to always keep hands on shooters, keep contact with shooters. All right, we can't do it in man, so we're going to do it in zone. So we're going to switch this thing up, but we're still going to keep our hands. We're not going to lose shooters or we're not going to lose cutters based on actions. And so um, they may see a zone. Uh, we may follow that shooter. They may think we're in a 2-3, but we may follow that shooter. You know, and, and our team knows that we're going to follow that shooter, but the rest of those guys are still kind of playing his own principles. And so all of that stuff comes into uh, preparation. And the more we have guys that have done it in the program multiple years, I really don't even have to teach them every year the rules. They just kind of how to they understand what we're trying to do. Well, and that makes sense, of course. And the other part that – uh, I, I want to get your thoughts on are how you then practice and then maybe more so what is the importance at being really good in all these defenses? Like if you're just going to show one, three, one, or are you going to use it as a base defense? It's very different. It's the amount your players need to know about it. Yeah, exactly. And so um, I think it's what you see in the NBA a lot. Tons of teams run the Princeton offense in the NBA. Do they run the entire the entire package? No. You may see one side of it, you know, one action in the Princeton offense. It's kind of the same thing that we do defensively. They may see just, you know, one side of the one three one, you know, two passes, and then after that, you know, first or second pass, we may be going to a man. You know, we may be going to a two three defense. And so, I teach our guys the basics of what we do and how we want to do it. And then we work on individual skills within those defenses, closing out, you know, to the corners in the one, three, one, putting pressure on the wings in the one, three, one, you know, uh, communicating uh, the cutters in a two, three zone. You know, I, I try to tell our guys, we don't play a traditional two, three zone. I don't need you, your butt to the baseline, the top guys, you don't always have to be looking at half court. Sometimes turn your butt to half court and look and see where the cutter is coming from. So now that you have a better vision. And so a lot of the things that we do are, are untraditional. So if you got a freshman point guard, he's bringing the ball down and we look like we're in the two, three zone, but the two guys in the front aren't looking at him. They're looking at, they're looking at their five men. They're looking at the guys cutting. They're looking at the coach, like what defense are these guys in? And that that's five seconds that ran off that shot clock. And I think that helps us at the end of the day. 
Well, that's such an important point to, to be able to make too. that. Cause I think some of the coaches initial thoughts are, well, I don't have time to teach all these different defenses, but the reality is you're not teaching the whole of every defense. It's, it's really, again, coming back to this concept of disruption and you more or less just have to make sure that your opponent thinks you're in these defenses, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. That you need to make them think like they call a man set coming down. They call a man set. Okay. That man set they're in zone coach. They're in zone. So now they got to switch from their man set to their zone set. All right. That's that's a couple seconds off. That's wearing on that point guard's brain. And so some coaches say, well, we're just going to run our man stuff versus their zone master, uh, matchup. Well, we're not in a matchup. We're in a solid two, three, you know. And so it just forces players to make plays and takes the coach out of the game. So, you know, some teams are going to have really good players and they can still make those plays on the run. And then you have some teams that need that coach to direct them. And those teams are going to struggle against us because they can't make those plays on the run. It's, it's, it's fascinating. And I, I couldn't agree more. And I've certainly played around with moving, you know, from zone to man, but I've never done it the other way where it goes from man to zone. Can man. you talk about the differences in that? You know, one of the biggest things, again, we're talking about positionless basketball. And a lot of times what you have is you have either an exchange between a guard screen to screener, screen to screener with the five man. And then they're trying to get that five man to play a ball screen versus probably one of their better guards right around that volleyball timeline. So I'm like, man, I, my, my big is not good enough to play out there. They're going to expose us. And so what we'll do a lot of times is we'll switch that. That guard comes to set the screen on the five-man. We'll switch it. And so now when that five-man goes to set the screen on that other guard, we have a guard guarding the five-man to switch. And what, what does that five-man do the majority of the time? He's rolling back to the paint. So our five-man's still standing down there. So we keep him inside where he's supposed to be, and now that ball screen doesn't become as much of an issue as, 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 as it becomes when that five man's guarding. And so now within that possession, we've switched. All right. We've switched. And, and maybe at, on that switch, we go into our matchup, our matchup two, three at that point, you know? And so it kind of screws up what the team is looking to do. They're looking to get a one, five ball screen. So their so their point guard can get in the paint and force rotation. All right. And kick out the shooters. But now if I can switch that and keep the ball in the front, in, in front of us and let that five-man dive back into that five-man in the paint, we're solid at that. Support for the basketball podcast comes from Bet Online. Football is in full effect and the NBA is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coach props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. Head to BetOnline today and use promo code ARMCHAIR to take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. BetOnline, your online sports experts. Use promo code ARMCHAIR, all in capitals. Now back to the podcast. Coach, maybe help us understand what what type of communication strategy you use to be able to communicate these different things, these Man, switches. Yeah, it's 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 what we work on every day. One of the biggest things I, you know, from the start of practice is communicating. You know, we we we've been taught um, from from middle school, from from rec league, 
you know, ball, 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 man, man, man. But what does that mean? I ask our guys, what, what does that mean? I force our guys to really communicate and talk to their teammates. Hey, you know, Cam, I'm coming through. Cam, as a man rising on the side, like we have to communicate. Hey, five man diving, I'll take him. All right, switch up. You know, we have to talk and not just ramble per se. Ball, 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 man, man, man. Help side, help side, help side. Like, where are you in the help side? Are you at the elbow? Are you at the block? You know, uh, where is my help on the baseline? You know, I use the term base go, which I got from an NBA guy that I thought was smart. You know, we tell our guys base go, unless that guy know, hey, I'm in the I'm in the hole. I'm in the hole. Instead of just saying help, help, help. We don't know where help is a lot of times. So I try to help our guys in every drill. I, I force them to talk to each other like they're having a conversation. And that really helps us in our matchup zone. Well, it's such an important point. And I, I definitely when it comes to communication, like saying ball gives no value to your no teammates value. because they no know value. where the ball is, right? <laughs> yeah, it, it gives no no value. That's great. That's great. And and again, I, for this type of system, it's got to be communication first because of these different switches and stuff. And I imagine teammates have to get really good at covering for each other as well in terms yes. of making basketball decisions and having the freedom to make basketball decisions on defense. Yeah, I mean, it, it's trust. They got to buy into it. They got to see success in it. Um, they got to see the faces of their opponents when they get confused. And then the more stops that you get, you know, we play fast. And I tell the guys, it's not our offense that's doing it. It's our defense. All right. The more shots that we can rebound, the faster we can go. And that really, it helps us extend leads. It helps us wear teams down. You know, if that ball continues to go in, um, then you can't play as fast as you want to because teams can set their defense. They can set press, presses up against us. They can slow us down. And so that defensive piece of it, that disruption piece of on the defensive end is really um, what helps us move the basketball offensively into our pace. But um, the communication piece, the trust that they have to have, the buy-in that they have to have, these guys have to buy in to being disruptive. And I think it's something that they like and they've seen success over the past couple of years and we've gotten continuously gotten better at it. Well, yeah, no, the, the, your players like it. And and that's, that's gotta be a part of this. It's part of your sell to them that this is a fun, engaging way to play on defense as well, right? It's not this traditional get back in the half court mm -hmm. and just try and grind out stops. Mm -hmm. You're, you're trying to make an impact on defense in this unique way. So I think it's cool. Yeah, I mean, you know, they watch our players. They, they watch TV, and when they when they watch the NBA, the NBA, the paint's wide open. And, and me and your era, we would say, man, how can how can Steph Curry go down the lane and dunk the ball? That would never happen in the in the early '90s, in the late '90s. You know, yep. you didn't have six feet point guards just going to the to the rim at will. But now, because of the game, you know, you can't touch anybody now. It's more of a one on one game, and so our players see that on TV, but really at our level in college, it's, it's totally a different game. I tell people all the time, probably the high school game is closer to the NBA than the college game. The college game is so scripted, man. We can take away the paint. We can manipulate things to kind of to, 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 to force personnel, the, per, the personnel that uh, 
isn't scoring as many points to make plays. And we can kind of we can kind of manipulate that thing a little bit at the college level. That's why I think the coaching is so good in college in terms of, of, of doing that. And so um, the ones that are creative and, and do different things that these guys don't see every day, I think get an edge sometimes. Talk to me about game on the line. You need a, you need to get a stop. Mm-hmm. What is your favorite changing defense? A lot of times I like to, you know, it's, it's our white, our white matchup. I think because uh, our two, three matchup um, because we can play man and zone. And, and, and with that, I can show ball pressure. And then, you know, I put, you know, our, our smartest guard, you know, he won't go, he won't take that first. He won't take that first pass. He'll be the second pass guy. And then he'll look around and see where the other offensive guys are. And so he'll make a decision or he'll call, hey, you know, this is the play we saw on film or this is the play we prepared against. And he'll point and tell everybody, hey, you go there, you go there, I got here. And so now we feel comfortable in where we are, whether it's a a ball screen coming from the low side or a guard-to-guard screen within that set. But we still have pressure on the ball. We're not sitting back. I hate – one thing I hate is even when I play zone is to sit back and just let good players see the entire floor. So it doesn't matter if we're in a you know, five defense, man-to-man, or our zone. We're always going to have pressure on that basketball so that they just can't pick us apart. And I think that's a big part of that disruption piece. So, and when you're talking about changing defenses, we're not just talking in the half court based on what you're just saying. You're doing some full court stuff as well. Yeah, we'll, you know, we'll come out and show, you know, you know, you know, may, some people may think we're in a 2-2-1. You know, some people may think we're in a one-two-two, but it's it's not the traditional one-two-two. You know, uh, we may be in solid man-to-man, or we we may just be in our transition defense with the four-man. You know, with the four-man up looking like a a two-two-two-one. You know what I mean? And so we just try to throw a couple different looks at it. And our thing is, every game when you prepare for us, you're going to have to prepare against something. You know, our press, our half-court defense, our matchup. And again, it's time. It's time. And so what are you going to spend the, the majority of your time on? You, are you going to spend it on the full court aspect? Or are you going to spend it on the half court aspect? Or are you going to spend it on the matchup zone aspect? Um, and so you don't have you don't you don't have that much time to, to prepare. And so hopefully, you know, and, and you don't know which one we're going to play, you know, because, we, we, you know, a lot of times we don't have to play all of them. We'll play the one that gets us in, a, in an advantage and we'll use that. Um, and I think that's what makes it tough for teams to prepare against. Is there, and you've mentioned this about the, the modern game and everything with it. So with the modern na- game inevitably goes analytics. Are there any analytics that speak to your effectiveness of changing defenses? You know, not from the numbers standpoint, um, just from, you know, I just look at it as, you know, my eyes, my eyes looking at the game and, and I'm, I'm pretty sure we can get some, um, some, some analytics, some numbers on it. But, you know, I try to get, you know, I try to force either quick shots or Hail Mary shots. You know, quick shots but because of the pressure by one of their, one a player that's not u- used to taking those shots or um, a Hail Mary shot that's late at the shot clock, late on the shot clock, that's a force shot. If we can get those type of shots, I think that the more we get those, the more of those going to be misses. And if we get those guys that they hit one or two Hail Marys and they think that's the shot that's going to win the game, then they fall into the trap. 
and then uh, they keep taking those shots and then we can rebound and push the ball up the floor. And so, you know, I, from the analytical side, I think, and you know, I don't have an analytics guy here on my staff, but I'm pretty sure we can get some good numbers that probably would, uh, would give us some good, some good information on that. Very cool. And uh, maybe going through a few of the scenarios, what defense do you like to do versus say a dominant big? You know, a big, you know, our, our, our matchup zone is going to, going to, we got to keep, we got to keep help around them. And so um, I'm going to probably play a matchup zone two, three or three, two to, to really keep, keep us in a, not, not too spread out. I don't want them moving pieces around and I don't want to be one-on-one with that big down there. Or we may trap the post. We may, and we may trap it out of zone. You know, we may, you know, let them throw it in and, and trap them out of zone. And so it just, we want to always give help if they got a, a, a big time big in there. How about versus a shooter? Shooter, we're going to keep hands on a shooter. And so, um, and you know, uh, if he's a shooter that likes to handle the ball, we're gonna, we may trap him every time he has, it. you know, every time, you know, they uh, come off a ball screen with him, we'll trap him. You know, uh, you know, he may give it up and we may deny him back. We, we may switch to deny. You know, we're going to make it tough for him to get the shots that he wants. Very cool. Versus a penetrator. We're going to protect those elbows. You know, we always keep two people, you know, we're going, you know, we usually say code red, you know, it's somebody who's uh, uh, somebody who wants to get in the paint. When he gets the basketball, we all, the, you know, the four guys on the court, on the court are going to probably yell out code red, code red. That means that we have to lock down the elbows in the boxes and keep him out of the paint. If that's what makes their team go. You know, um, and some teams have, you know, at the highest level, you, you know, we're a mid-major team. You know, you, you start playing those, you know, top 10 and, you know, those uh, BCS teams and, and, and the guarantee games at the beginning of the year. They got multiple good players, multiple, you know. But at our level, you're talking about one to two and a half really good players, somebody that can really, really play. And then you have role players. And so now in the scouting report, you got to put together personnel and then you got to piece together what this team really wants to do. And so if that penetrator, if he's the one that's penetrating to score, it's cold red, cold red. Now, if he's penetrating to pass, maybe we'll let him get into the paint and take away the people that he's passing to. Now you're putting a person that doesn't want to shoot it in a position that he has to shoot. And that's a mind game. And so, again, that goes back to the scouting report. It's great stuff and fascinating to hear. And coming back to practice time, then you talked about your base defenses, man. So do we assume that the majority of your practice is spent on man-to-man defense or how are you dividing up practicing on all these switching defenses? You know, um, I work, I work, I, I played football in high school and my, my high school coach was a really good, uh, really smart coach and won some state championships and football practice and practices in periods, you know, period goes off five minute period here five, you know, six minute period here. Um, and so that's what I kind of do. I try to work on everything we do in about a five minute period. And so I, and it's quick. We get out there, we work on one through one for five minutes. We work on our two, three for five minutes. You know, we work on our matchup for five minutes, you know, so they're doing it every day. We don't spend 15 minutes. We don't spend 20 minutes just over and over again. I just want to work on a little bit of it every day. And then I don't, I don't have to talk every day. I just, some days I want them to figure it out. I'll say, you guys guard it. You guys figure it out. And I'll see what they're thinking and I'll see how this thing and how it's working and how it's moving. And if I need to give him some information, or if I want to say, hey, for this game, 
we don't want to do it this way. We want to make sure this guy does it that way. Then I'll come in and kind of say, hey, this this is what we want to do this game. And um, and they understand because I'm not making all the decisions for them. I think me making them have some ownership and making the decisions and communicating makes it better. Well, that was one of my questions was how or when does this become more player led? Because I'm assuming based on what you're saying, as your players get better and better at understanding this, they might recognize situations in the game where they might call a switch. Is that correct? Yes, yes, yes. It's it's player-based, and we talk about it, and I say, hey, listen, you guys are out there, okay? If you see something coming, all right, and, and you recognize it, you guys just figure it out. I'll say at the end of the day, remember the game plan. We don't want to give up threes. Or, hey, at the end of the day, the game plan is we want to shut the paint down. Oh, Or at the end of the day, guys, we got to make sure we we clog the paint because they got this monster five-man down there that if he gets it one-on-one, he's going to score. Within that basis, okay, you guys communicate and make the adjustments that you need on the, on the fly. So what are some of the cues – that would trigger them or you to change in a possession? Is it something like you go in with the scout and you say, hey, listen, anytime they reverse the ball, mm-hmm. they're going to a ball screen. So mm-hmm. now we can switch into this defense. Is it mm-hmm. triggers like that that cue it? So the majority of the time is what a team likes to do. What do they like to do? Okay. Are they do they do they want to run the double high post offense where they set that back screen on the point guard and they get that layup late in the game because the five man he, he forgot you know and, and he gets a layup and it just demoralizes everybody. What do they like to do? Okay, we have to remember that within the game. Okay, and so their bread and butter and that's really what we prepare for. We want to prepare for that bread and butter. Is it the sprint ball screen late in the possession? Is it the is it the is it the guard five man double double high screen in the middle of the floor that you know the five man's going to dive and they they pop that other guard? Which one is it? And so that's what we're going to prepare for. We're going to look for that during the game. Obviously, teams are going to come in and run some things that we haven't seen, but they're going to go back to the bread and butter. Again, that's 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 the college game. The college game is those coaches, we are going to stick with what works. And, and, and our job and what we do is to try to make what works tough for that game, for them. Would you change more than one time in a possession? Depends. Depends on uh, – you know, sometimes you got to rescreen, right? So, you know, they may try to rescreen you, but a lot of times if they rescreen you, we kind of go, it'll end up being back to the original, you know what I mean? But again, all of that stuff is making them do something that they don't want to do and also taking seconds off the shot clock. And I think that's, that. at the end of the day, that's what we want to do. That That's what we want to do. Take time off that shot clock and make them do something that they don't want to do. And do you chart that for your team to be able to connect the effectiveness a little bit to uh, how early or late teams are shooting in the shot clock versus you guys? Yes, yes, yes. Because you're getting some, you're getting a disruption on both sides of the ball. And so uh, we'll see we're speeding them up on offense and then also we're speeding them up on defense. So now they're playing in a pace that they're, they're not comfortable playing in. And I think, again, that wears on that mental 
and it wears on that physical piece of a team that that's not used to playing that style. Uh, obviously recruiting is important for any program. Yep. Now I'm curious if there's a characteristic you look for specifically that suits doing this. Yeah, I think, um, you know, you got to have athleticism or right, athleticism is, is really what I want um, because I want guys who can do multiple things, play different positions um, and have a passion to play defense, but also get out and run and play above the rim. That's kind of the style that we want to play. But, um, you know, you got to have some type of intelligence, um, guys that aren't afraid to talk. And, um, you know, these kids these days, you know, they don't come out of the womb just, you know, being, uh, you know, dominant, uh, high level uh, speech writers or anything like that. And so you got to bring it out of them a lot. You got to force them to talk. It's not what they like to do. They spend the majority of times on Twitter and on their phones. And so, like I said, from day one, I try to make sure that they can communicate to the coaches when they talk to them, communicate to their teammates so that they have, they're comfortable on the floor, opening their mouths. And, um, and I put them in positions to where they have to, where they can see, because you didn't say anything, all right, that's the reason why they scored. Or that's the reason why your teammate got hit with that screen and he got a concussion. You know what I mean? Like, I try to force them to see that at this level, you have to communicate. Definitely. I mean, it's, it's important <laughs> at all levels, but especially when you're doing what you're doing, which is uh, puts a tremendous, tremendous onus on communication. And uh, with that, then talking about may maybe putting more of a high school hat on a little bit, what what defenses do you think are most effective when you have less talents? You're undermanned, say, physically. Are there certain types of switching defenses that you find best for those situations? You know, I like um, I like the one three one man. Um, I think there's so many versions of it um, that you can use. Um, you know, or you know, like I said, I mean, you can use it to where you know you got a big on the baseline and not a guard. You know, you can use it to where you got the the point guard as the middle guy and not the five man. I mean, it's so many ways that you can manipulate that. And again, what you're trying to do. Um, is 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 waste time you're trying to make that team have to what make four or five passes which they don't want to do they the undisciplined team doesn't want to make four or five passes they want to they want to pass one or two times and jack a shot and i think if you can force that team to pass one or two times and make them have to think and jack shots and get frustrated and you can get a couple misses early and go down and score and it becomes, again, you're starting to mess with their mentality. Now, you're going to give up a couple of things. You're going to give up a couple of layups in a one-three-one because, you know, you're trying to anticipate. But if it, I think if you stay married to it, if you stay married to it, then you'll have more positives than negatives. And uh, what man-to-man defensive principles are the most important to be able to get good at all this different stuff? Besides communication, which we've talked about, you know, our man, um, what we try to do, I think, I think in what you do, if you, if you decide to do multiple things, they have to have a correlation. All right. Uh, you know, you have to have a correlation to it. Um, you know, we, we are no middle team, you know, we're an ice team, you know, uh, we're a team that wants to keep the ball on the sideline and, and flood, flood to the paint 
to make sure that teams that like to run a ton of ball screens can't get to the middle and force your team to rotate, you know. But if I'm playing, if I'm icing a ball screen and my five man is going to be in that center field position, how do you know I'm in ice and I'm not in a one, three, one? You know what I'm saying? How do you know? What if you had a guy in the corner and he's standing there and I got a guy in the corner and I'm icing a ball screen. I got somebody on the ball. I got a center field guy and I got a, and I got a guy in the corner. Am I in man or I'm in arm and a one through one? What if I go with that guy if he leaves the corner, you know? And so now I'm forcing now it's, it's not hard for, for me to say, you know, on this team, if they run the side ball screen, we're in man, let's go to, let's go to one, three, one. Okay. It's not hard for my team to comprehend that because we're not a show team. My big's in center field. He's in front of the basketball. It technically can turn into a one, three, one. And so the principles for us are keeping that ball on the side, um, you know, making sure that we don't give up middle and, um, and making sure we, we protect the paint, keep, keep somebody in front of the basketball. That that's really what we talk about on a daily day basis. And you've already talked about it a little bit, but situationally you will deny certain players as well then. Oh man, yes. It, it, so again, we're talking about good players. Mm-hmm. Good players. If they have a really good point guard, and 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 some teams do this. Like, you know, my point guard's really good. He's going to run every set. He's going to start every offense. He's going to get the ball on the late shot clock. Well, man, I'm not letting him get the ball. I'm going to let him bring it down. He's going to feel comfortable, and then when he gives it up, we're not going to let him get it back. And I may do that in man to man. A lot of people, you know, they want to go box and one. But I may do it. In, I may do it in a zone. I may just deny him the ball, stay between him and the basket, and now he's going to run around and try to get the ball. But again, now the shot clock's running down. They can't get it to him, and somebody that that doesn't want to shoot the ball shoots a tough shot. I want to create as many of those scenarios as we can. So on your game day card, is it is it basically you go in and the plan is to play man to man? And then if that's not effective, you're going to switch defenses. Yeah. So we, we're going to prepare. I'm going to look at it. Our staff's going to look at it. And I'm going to say, Hey, what you think? We're going to say, Hey coach, listen, you know, they run a lot of stuff, you know, a lot of their stuff, their alignments end up in a one, three, one look. I think, I think, you know, getting, you know, on this, on this action that they like to run a lot, let's, let's go into our one, three, one, or on this action, like they like to, they, they run a lot. Let's go into our matchup two, three zone. You know what I'm saying? And so we're going to have what we want to do. It's not going to be a guess. We're going to know what we're doing. And then when they do it, we're going to know what we're doing. Support for the basketball podcast comes from Bet Online. Football is in full effect and the NBA is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coach props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. Head to BetOnline today and use promo code ARMCHAIR to take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. BetOnline, your online sports experts. Use promo code ARMCHAIR, all in capitals. Listen up, fellows, because today we have a new Manscaped product alert. Manscaped just released the Weed Whacker Nose and Ear Hair Trimmer. Take a look in the mirror and I guarantee you'll see hair sticking out of those holes. It's time to keep your ear and nose hair looking as nice as your clean-shaven pubes. Manscaped is forever changing the grooming game with their Weed Whacker. 
The nose and ear hair trimmer provides proprietary skin-safe technology, which helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate holes. The premium Manscaped Weed Whacker uses a 9,000 RPM motor-powered, 360-degree rotary dual-blade system. Its intelligently contoured design enhances the trimming experience, and it is waterproof, which makes for easy operation and cleaning. Look, fellas, 79% of partners polled admitted that long nose hair is a major turnoff. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code armchair. What are you waiting for? Go whack your weed. Thank you, Manscaped, for keeping our pubes trimmed and hairs in our holes looking nice. Now back to the podcast. And do you generally have, say, on your your game day card, do you have like the A and B and C scenarios that are yeah, the first so, choice to use? Is that the idea? Yeah. yeah so you know, man to man's A. You know, um, you know, maybe matchup zone B, and then um, you know, let's see. You know, maybe I may say, hey, let, let's see what let's see what the one through one, what the one what the one through one looks like on this action this time. You know, they're killing us. All. I may make an adjustment at halftime. We may do something totally different in the first half than the second half. You know, just just to I just want to continue. I don't want a team to be comfortable the entire game. And so I want them even in the second half when they think they got things rolling to have to, you know, something that they didn't talk about at halftime to uh, so they have, you know, they don't have time to prepare for it. Uh, it's fun. It's got to be a lot of fun for you as a coach, too. I mean, it's going to keep you constantly engaged in the game, isn't it? Yeah, you, you got to be married to it. And I, I think that's what, you, I mean, whatever you do, you got to be married to it, man. And um, you got to understand the risk and the reward. Um, and you just got to understand the game, man. I mean, you know, you got to really look at it, man. Teams don't have a lot of really good players. I mean, they have decent role guys, but you got to look at, you know, how many really, really good players do they have? You know, and then you have some of those teams that are system teams and they, they, they're good at their system. You know, and so you got to prepare for their system rather than their team. You know what I'm saying? I used, you know, when I was in the Atlantic Sun, we played against those good Belmont teams. And I said, man, what makes these teams, what, what, what makes this team good? Well, what makes them good is they have a kid on their team that's shooting 40% from three. Maybe they have one or two of them that's shooting 40% from three. You cannot let them get the ball, right? Because he's going to make it. Well, what happens when the guy on the scouting report that is not shooting 40%, hits a three, the first possession of the game. Then he hits another one, okay? And then the five-man hits a three. So the players are looking at the coach like, coach, you told me that only these two guys shoot threes. But the other two guys, they, they've already hit four threes. We're losing now. So now they think everybody on the floor can shoot threes. And so now you got that defense that's spread out now. Now you're getting beat on baseline drives. You're getting beat middle because they're shot faking and driving, your defense is flying all over the place because that system makes you think that everybody on the floor can shoot it. You know what I'm saying? So you don't have to be great players at that point. You just got to have, have some pretty decent shooters at that point. And I've seen that in that league and, and how, you know, Rick Bird at Belmont just had a really good team just by his system. And so, you know, playing against those guys for, for four years really made me think about some things defensively. So, in a practice, then, for you as a coach, the best way to be able to get good at this for yourself and your assistants as well, and for your players, I imagine, is is you have to play a lot in practice oh, to yeah. be able to transfer this, right? Yeah, we, you got to get up and down, man. It, it, you got to get up and down. 
and you got you have to get these guys able to transition from not offense from offense to defense, but from one defense to the other defense, you know, um, within that possession, you know. And again, it's a rehearsal. It, you got to be able to know what you're doing, um, and the more you practice it every day, the better that they get at it. So, are you trying sometimes to overload your players in practice with some some crazy scenarios no. to be able to get them to kind of even work to this extreme? No, what I do is, um, especially with the half court stuff, we'll do perfect possessions. Mm. And um, I may say, you know, I may tell the staff, hey, listen, if you're looking at film, find some 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 actions that you really really like, and let's just not tell our defense what we're do what we're doing, and let's just throw it on them, and then we'll just have have the other team just run it, and then see how they react to it. And then again, what happens is again, it's that it's that piece of it to where when the coaches just not always talking all the time. Sometimes as coaches, we just like to talk, you know, instead of letting the guy. I think you learn better when you go through it first. You know what I'm saying? So by throwing that action out there, letting the players look around like, coach, run that again, run that again, you know. And so they start to figure, okay, this is what we need to do. You go here, I'll take this. Okay, you stay, you stay deep. You know, and when they figure it out, it's more of a reward than me telling them, hey, on this action, you stand here, you stand over there, you two guys switch. I think it's more of a reward when they figure it out. Yeah, so fun. So fun to talk about. And uh, so generally speaking, what's the hardest defense in your experience to teach? The matchup zone is tough. But it's it's it, the teaching a matchup zone we're teachers, man. Coaches are teachers. And, you know, there's so many different ways to teach individuals. Some people want to teach every single, you know, every single piece of whatever they're trying to teach, like A, B, C, D, E, F, G. You know, some people, they want to teach the whole first and allow your and, and allow the students to learn within that whole and then point out within the, the different, the different things they want to teach from a day to day basis, you know, what they want to emphasize. And so um, I don't try to make, I tell our staff all the time, listen, I'm not interested in a ton of rules. Okay. Let's give them the basics. And then within the time that we're working on it, let's emphasize something every day. All right. Let's emphasize, you know, the communication piece today. Let's just make sure what, what whatever they do, they may be doing it incorrectly, but today let's just make sure that all five guys are communicating. Okay. All today, let's make sure that if it's any type of bump action that we need in the in, in the matchup, that we are communicating that bump at at the highest level possible. Today we're just focusing on ball screen. So only time we're we're correcting everything in the ball screen so that we're not just trying to teach every single thing um, because offenses are too good, man. You prepare for something and in, a, in an offense, just they're running something totally different. So you get screwed up. And so we don't spend a whole lot of time. And again, a lot of the scouting is going to be game prep anyway. And so we're going to prepare for a team one game at a time. So. I imagine you have a propensity to be in scramble sometimes, obviously in, in forcing this disruption and forcing yes. these recoveries. Yeah. So what are some emphasis that you have for, uh, again, recovering in those moments of scramble? 
Yeah. So we do a lot of, you know, four on three, four on five scramble. We do it every day. We do it every day. You have to work on anticipation. You got to work on bigs, garden, smalls. You got to work on smalls, garden, bigs. You got to work on all of those things. And so we usually start practice every day with some type of uh, uh, scramble drill, whether that scramble drill is full court or whether it's half court. Um, and so we try, we try to put put our defense in a situation to where they don't have the advantage and let them understand that, listen, we're not going to have the advantage all the time. So what are you going to do when we don't have the advantage? And I think, like I said, they get hype about it. They buy into it because a lot of times, like we get a lot of energy. If we got three guys versus four in the half court scramble drill and we get a steal, man, guys are on the sideline. They're jumping up. They're, they're celebrating because they, they've worked hard within that 30 seconds of the shot clock to force four players to to turn the ball over versus three with their energy. And so that's something that we try to do every day. Imagine in these scramble situations and these multiple defensive situations, closeouts become really important, Mm -hmm. but closeouts, I'm curious more than just a traditional closeout. Are you sometimes flying by? Are you sometimes running people off lines in terms of helping with scout and the application of some of these disruptions that you're trying to do? My biggest thing, if, you know, if that ball's on the side, we're going to close out so they can't penetrate middle. Middle, you start getting beat middle in how we play, then it causes all types of issues. I want to keep that ball on the side so that that help can be there, you know, at the midline or a little bit of over that midline so that that defense, even if he does go by us, we have somebody in that help side position. Um, but I'm not a fly-by guy. You know, I don't want to leave the floor. I want to stay on the floor. I want to show hands early, and I want to sit down and be ready to guard. Um, you know, but if, if it's a shooter, if it's a game that's a shooter, and that kid doesn't like to put it on the floor, then I'm we're going to push up as, as far as we can to make him dribble it. So that's, that's going to be a game-time decision also. So all zone, man, whatever defense you're in, you have the same principles of where you want to force the ball? We want to force it, yes. I, I want to, we want to keep that ball. If they, just, if they declare a side, we want to make it tough for them to get that ball back to the middle on a dribble drive. I, you may not want to answer this, but I'm curious from your experience now with all this, what have you found the most difficult to be able to play against as a team figured out a certain way to be able to play against this that's more effective than others? You know, um, again, teams with smart players, all right, teams with smart players and multiple good players that are unselfish, I think will will move the ball enough to, to, to find that open shot. And again, that takes, it takes a, a level of maturity. It takes a level of maturity. And on our scouting report, um, we're gonna have a rating. You know, is this, you know, my assistant coach is going to say, hey, coach, you know, experienced, um, less experienced, not experienced at all. And then they're going to they're going to they're going to mark one of those thing, one of those 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 numbers so that we know when we're when they're deciding to play what type of team we're playing for playing against. You know what I'm saying? If it's a team with, that doesn't have a whole lot of experience, we're going to throw a lot at them to see how they take it. If it's a team that's really experienced or more experienced, got some really good players, we may be solid, be more solid and do and, and, and kind of mix it up to kind of see how they deal with it. 
Because I think a lot of times the, the better the team, you, the more solid you need to be. Um, especially if you have a good team too. If you got a good team, you probably just need to be solid, be in position, and let the players decide the game. Come on, you know, to take the coaches out of it. Let the players decide the game. Good players versus good players. But um, you know, if they're not experienced, man, we're going we're going to try to make them turn that basketball over. Yeah, that makes sense. And uh, conditioning, coach, that becomes important. Obviously, are are you guys doing extraordinary conditioning beyond practice, or is most of the conditioning happening based on how you practice? Yeah, we don't we don't we don't run in practice just like just running suicides now we we've done it this year because of covid um you know we missed two weeks and um, i only like to practice an hour and 30 minutes and so you know um when we we get up we get up pretty good get up and down pretty uh a, a good amount during that hour and 30 minutes but with this covid man you know we missed um uh two uh man two weeks twice in the fall, I had to get some running and practice some pace running, but um, you have to be able to get up and down to play this style and um, you have to like to run. And so um, we did some things this summer. Uh, we, we didn't we didn't touch a weight this summer. We were still, you know, everybody across the country was trying to figure out where this COVID was coming from and that type of stuff. So we spent the entire entire summer from a conditioning standpoint, running, doing conditioning. And so we're not in tip top shape right now, but I think we're, we're, we have a chance to get there by the time we play in conference. Well, such such an interesting time for everyone to figure out how, how to how to adapt to all these changing circumstances, clearly. And, yeah. But I would think to a certain extent, your team is kind of, from a basketball standpoint, used to adapting to different yeah. things, right? Yeah, they, they kind of just, they're used to kind of, you know, pivoting and, and um, used to change. And uh, again, that's something, you know, we want to, you know, again, we talked about it at the beginning, on defense, we want to be physical. We want to be fast. We want to communicate. And then on offense, we want to play hard, play fast, and play together. And so they kind of, it, it kind of rivals each other and kind of, you know, goes hand, you know, hand and foot with it. And I think it's something that they bought into. So with that, they would never seem to think, and I think this is a strength of it, that they would never see changes as a weakness. They would see it as a strength. Whereas sometimes a coach who would be like hard and fast, this is our only defense. Mm -hmm. This is the only thing we do. If we're changing, then that becomes, again, potentially they think of it as a weakness. Yeah. Styles make games, man. Styles make games. And I always say this. Good is good. I tell our team that. I've said it on multiple podcasts. Good is good. Okay. If Alabama football is good at running the football, Okay, and uh, Clemson is good at passing the football. Okay, you got two good teams that's good at what they do. And I, I always go back to the NCAA tournament, the reason why you have so many upsets. It's not because it's the small school against the big school. No, it's because you have the 64 teams in the country that are good at what they do. And so if I play you on Tuesday, and I'm better at what I do than what you do that day, I'm probably going to beat you, no matter if my school's bigger or smaller. And I think that's what makes our tournament in college basketball so good because most of the teams that, that reach that level are good teams. They're all good at what they do. But on that certain day, if I'm, if I'm better, if I'm more disciplined and I make all the right reads at what I do and we perform better that day, 
hey, man, it's a one-game series and we win. We're going to move on to the next round. And I think that's why people just – they love watching the NCAA tournament because some of the some of the smaller schools, man, they're just really good, man. They're good at what they do. And they end up, they end up beat some of those bigger schools. Such great perspective, Coach. Coach, again, since you've taken over, tremendous success. Tremendous success. And uh, I imagine it's going to continue a little bit based on your defensive philosophy, but also on your pace. Can you talk about pace and the importance? You know, um, you know, when I took over um, in December, we were averaging um, 52 points a game. Um, coach Joyner was more of a half coach, a half court coach and did an unbelievable job. We ran a ton of sets that were tough to guard. And um, what I did, you know, I didn't know all of his sets. And so I had to make sure we could put the ball in the basket a little bit. So I just kind of just opened it up a little bit and started running up and down. And we ended up scoring, man, 90 and 100 points a couple of times last year. And so we went from, you know, being the, the, the last place team in our conference in scoring to the first place team in scoring within the season. And, uh, and so you have to be comfortable with pace. Again, it's something that you got to be married to. Um, you have to give your players freedom and you got to teach them how to play together. And um, I talk to our guys every day about playing with uh, four other guys on the floor that are good players. And so being selfish is something that can hurt us. It's not going to help us. It's going to hurt us. But the more unselfish we are, it's going to continue to boost us and give us, and we're going to make runs and we're going to wear teams down. And so, um, you know, we try to get out and run. Um, it helps to have um, the leading assist point guard in the country and Cam Langley he led the nation in assists last year. Um, our last game, our first game in the MEA tournament, we had 26 assists. And, um, man, it's something that um, they've bought into. It's a fun way to play. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a part of me that, again, I got from, you know, Cliff Warren at Jacksonville and, and Barkley Raiderball at Charleston Southern kind of combined the two systems. And it, it really was good for us last year, and I hope, hope that it can continue to um, help us win some games. Well, I'm sure it will. And uh, what, what a fascinating just case study alone in terms of taking over a program and, uh, you know, changing so many things really to, uh, to great success. And uh, that's something that we can talk about next time as well, coach. Definitely, man. I, I mean, I, I finally made it. I made it big time. <laughs> <laughs> you were big time long before, coach. You've done a tremendous job. And uh, you you are now, I think, after this podcast, those that didn't know your program, I, I certainly did a little bit. But uh, you become must-watch TV, I think, for all of us that have Synergy now. So that that's making it bigger, bigger time. Definitely, man. Everybody pray for us. We're about to, we're about to hit this plane. We play one of the better teams in the country in Illinois, and uh, we're going to go down here and, and try to see if we can um, disrupt them a little bit. Wow. We wish you the best, and we wish you a safe season, Coach. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show, and to give the Basketball Podcast and this week's guest a shout-out on social media to show your support for us sharing the game. And to stay up to date on all things basketball immersion, Subscribe to our newsletter at basketballimmersion.com newsletter.